The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the best practices for data procurement and the use of buyer intelligence data. Joining us is Katie Bullard, who is a president and chief growth officer at Discover Org, which is a solution that provides a constant stream of highly accurate and actionable company, contact, and buying intelligence data that can be used to find, connect with, and sell to buyers more effectively. Today, Katie is going to walk us through why and how B2B brands are collecting customer data. Okay, here's our interview with Katie Bullard, President and Chief Growth Officer at Discover Org. Katie, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Ben, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. I'm excited to talk a little bit about data, about customer acquisition, marketing. Also great to connect with another podcast host. I understand you just launched your own podcast. To start off, tell us a little bit about your background, about the company you're working with, and about the show you're working on. Well, first of all, I wouldn't say I fully launched a podcast. I've definitely guest hosting a few, but I can't consider myself an expert yet. Still learning from all of the great hosts that I've been able to talk to. So I'll take something from this podcast from you. Just be prepared. (laughs) Feel free to steal as much as you can and happy to share anything that we're doing if you have questions. There we go. So a little bit about me. I joined Discover Org about three years ago as the CMO, and I'm now the president, chief growth officer, as you mentioned. I run our product, marketing, customer experience, partnership, and corp dev functions here. And uh, don't actually have a background in marketing until about midway through my career. So I think that's, that's one of the things that people always find interesting when they look at my history. I actually started in government in budgeting of all places, <laughs> maybe the farthest place from marketing that you could start. But ultimately, over time, ended up in a marketing role. And even as my role has expanded beyond that, I think one of the things that I've learned is how powerful it is to have the mindset of a marketer, regardless of the role that you're holding at a company, because you're so focused, one, on making data-driven decisions, and two, on really understanding what our buyers and customers care about and need. At the end of the day, companies that do those two things are ultimately successful. So... That's been something I've been fortunate enough to see here at Discover Org. You mentioned we're a leading data provider to primarily sales and marketing teams. And at the end of the day, our view is that data fuels every single piece of your go-to-market strategy. 
I just had a LinkedIn post last week that started with data is the new oil. And I think that companies like Discover Org are definitely proof that there's so much value in getting access to not only a large volume of data, but making sure that it is accurate to make sure that you can be effective. It's either oil or gold, but whatever it is, it's valuable. 100%. And I think the thing that has changed in the mindset of a lot of marketing teams in particular is that it's not just that one-time infusion of the oil, right? It's not about getting data the first time, buying data, plugging it into your database, and then going from there. But it's about this ongoing cleansing and maintenance of the data and staying on top of that, which has really shifted, I think, the way a lot of marketing and marketing ops teams think and obviously is beneficial for those of us in this industry. So talk to me a little bit about the area that you play in, which is not only the data collection, it's data processing, cleansing. Give me an overview of what Discover Org does and where you fit into the greater landscape of data businesses. I'll talk about it in five buckets, right? And we'll do this in kind of the workflow of a typical marketer. So first of all, marketers are looking to find data on their target prospects or on their customers. So who are the accounts we should target? Who are the buyers at those accounts we should target? What do I know about them that's going to help me personalize my messaging more effectively? So that's one, and we provide all of that data. The second is, I might already know who my target buyer is. I might have some information on the account, but it's not complete. I don't have a complete picture of all of the attributes of the account I want to go after, maybe what technologies they use or how large their sales or marketing department is, because that's something that's important to me. So you want to enrich the data that you already have in your database with that great, complete data. So that's the second step, the Discover Org platform. So find the data I want. I'm going to enrich the data that I have. And then I want to be able to prioritize. So we all have more than we can go after at any given point in time. So how do I think about who to reach out to and when to reach out to them? So the information that we're providing around not only the fit of a company or an account, but the intent related to that account. So did they just hire a new CMO? Are they showing intent based on their online content consumption behavior? Those are all indicators that now is the right time for me to reach out to this particular prospect. So I've got the data, I've enriched it, created a complete picture. Now I can prioritize who I'm going after. And then finally, I want to actually engage. So you can use all of that data within the Discover Work system and either engage directly from the platform or push it into the marketing automation tools or the sales engagement tools that I'm using every day to go out and engage. And then finally, the last piece of that is that data is only good for a certain period of time, right? We all know that data decays, people change jobs, things change. So I want that data to be refreshed, cleansed, enriched on an ongoing schedule. So you can set up the Discover platform to do that as well. So there's a couple different approach to this sort of data collection and cleansing process. And I've talked to a few people on the podcast about data collection, enrichment, outreach strategies, you know, how to do outbound prospecting. All these things play in kind of a similar area. And I've heard different approaches from one, you should use a machine learning, artificial intelligence to put this data together. Some people are just buying lists and databases. Some people are doing everything very manually with taking advantage of the economics geography and having manual work being done to collect the data. Talk to me about Discover Org's approach to collecting the data. Are you a list creator? Are you manually creating the lists or using technology to build a list and optimize it? 
I think one of the things that's unique about Discover Org is that while we use a myriad of different techniques to gather and aggregate data, some of that is manual from our team of researchers. Some of that is through automated technologies and proprietary tools that we have built. The difference with Discover Org is that we verify all of the data with a team of researchers before it goes into the platform. That doesn't mean that they're literally looking at every single data point, but everything comes in front of them and they are approving whether to push it or not push it in at any given point in time. And I think that's one of the things that you know has created the reputation for really high quality, very accurate data that Discover has had in the marketplace. I think there's a place for AI 100% and we use AI and machine learning to go out and aggregate data. I'll give you just one example. We're able to use machine learning to look at job postings to understand what technologies companies are using or to look at what sort of big initiatives or investments they're planning based on what they're hiring for. But we're not going to automatically push that into the platform without a human taking a look at it. So talk to me about who are the companies that are buying this sort of data and why are they trying to find essentially pre-sale data? I think at the end of the day, any sales and marketing team that's looking to strategically go to market realizes that data is going to fuel those efforts. We actually see that our universe of customers includes everyone from a five-person startup that's just trying to build pipeline for the very first time to Fortune 10 companies that are highly sophisticated in the way they go to market, are highly sophisticated in the way they segment their sales and marketing approaches. They're using data for their account-based strategy, for their demand gen strategy, for their overall data enrichment strategy. So it really runs the gamut. Our customer base is about a third, a third, a third, small business, mid-market, and enterprise businesses. But the way I think about it is if you realize that in order to go to market, you need great data, then you're a customer. I think that there's a couple different ways to approach the acquisition of data. And I could reflect on a couple of different experiences. I've actually run email outreach programs and virtual SDRs as a consultant for clients who are looking to reach new customers, right? Who are doing customer acquisition. And essentially, this is an outsourced sales channel where you're just filling account execs pipelines with leads, right? We're not only finding the data, we're sending an outreach strategy, and then we're basically booking appointments for sales teams. What are some of the other ways that people are using the same type of data? A lot of times people do think of data providers like Discover Org as just to fuel outbound efforts, and that could not be farther from the truth. So one of the primary ways that our customers use our data is actually to enrich inbound leads that are coming in. So as a marketer, I know that the shorter I keep the forms on my website, the more likely someone is to fill them out. But I also know that the less data I have on that person, the less likely it is I'm going to convert that into a demo and ultimately a sale. So I want to keep the form short, but then I want to append all of the data that I know about that company and that person before I send it over to the sales team. So that's one big use case that we see for our customers. The other one is really around account-based marketing. People recognize now that in order to really penetrate the market that is most likely going to stay with me long-term and create a high lifetime value as a customer... I've got to think about not only who are my target accounts, but what's the full buying center that's influencing the purchasing decision at those accounts? How do they relate to each other? What things do they care about? One of the things that our customers are using Discover Org for is to actually map the organizational relationships within their target accounts 
to understand how does the sales operations director here at this company relate to the marketing operations director? What are the things that they care about? What are the technologies that they own individually? And then how do I craft my messaging specifically to bring both of those influencers to the table at the same time? So that's another area that we're seeing a lot of customers use our platform. And then there's some really interesting use cases around sizing my total addressable market, benchmarking my customer base versus my competitor's customer base, and uncovering opportunities that I might have missed. One of the things that I know... Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co know that you didn't mention, and I think that this might be a little bit of a gray hat strategy, is developing audiences for marketing and remarketing. And I'm not exactly sure the legality of this, but I know that there is the option to put in on Facebook or on any of the social networks. If you have the requisite number of email addresses, you can create a target audience or a retargeting audience, if you'd like a lookalike audience, based on a certain number of email addresses. So what is stopping marketers, and I know some of them are already doing this, of saying, look, I want to reach, in in my example, I want to reach technology-driven marketers that are in X, Y, and Z type of companies. I can go build an email list, right? Do my research or enrich in a list that I already have, and then upload all of those email addresses into social network and start targeting them with my performance marketing ads. Is that kosher? I'll answer your question in two ways. We're going to separate the professional email address from the personal email address. So we have a lot of customers who use our data in conjunction with B2B ad tech platforms, whether that's Terminus or Demandbase or ListenLoop, a lot of those. So they're able to target certain types of buyers at certain companies with ads based on building those audiences and segments in Discover.org. What we have found, though, of course, with social advertising is social accounts are tied to your personal email address, not your professional email address. It is typically pretty difficult to tie those two things together. As you can imagine, there are a lot of Katie Bullards in the world. 
I sometimes get emails to my Gmail address that are meant for other Katie Bullards as well. So one of the things that's required in order to do that for the large advertising platforms is really to match your professional email addresses to your personal email addresses. It is not something historically that we have delivered, but it is something that we're looking at. You know, there's another Ben Shapiro who's a prominent podcaster. He's more of a conservative political commentator. And let me tell you, you should see some of the comments that I get on Twitter with people confusing the two of us. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I am not him. I don't care what anybody's political preferences are, just for the record. That aside, talk to me about the cost associated with not only list building, list enrichment, but also what is the level of scale that you need to focus on hiring a service to do your enrichment for you? The answer for every company is a little bit different. The way that I like to think about that was the cost of not investing in data is definitely higher than the cost to invest in data. Because when you're not investing in high quality data, there are a lot of things that happen. One, you're going to end up with data in your system that goes bad. And we've done a lot of different research around this. And what we've found is that typically for every bad record that sits in your marketing automation or your CRM system, it's costing you as a company $11 for that one record. And over the course of a year, 30% of your data is going to go bad. Right? So 30% of the people are going to move, their email address is going to change, things are going to happen. So if I have a database of a million records and 30% of those go bad in any given year, 300,000 of them, and it costs me $11 in wasted time, in risk to the business, I'm sending things out to people who don't sit there anymore. It's costing me more than $3 million a year to have bad data sitting in my system that I don't have ongoing cleansing and maintenance of. So I can tell you, Discover does not cost $3 million, right? Two and a half and what a great deal. Right. But hey, maybe that's how we'll start pricing. No, what we find is that our customers' typical ROI is 60X over the course of a year because they're getting that, they're finding new accounts, number one. They're finding new buyers at existing accounts, number two. They're getting better data, perhaps on accounts that they already knew they were targeting, but they just had bad data on them. And they're able to personalize the engagement with those buyers much more effectively. They understand the needs of that business more effectively based on the insights in the platform. So very quickly, investing in good data pays for itself. So Katie, you danced around my question a little bit, and I'm going to hold your feet to the fire, or I'm going to try to answer it and give numbers that might not necessarily reflect discover.org. Talk to me about how you price your services and what people that are interested in data enrichment should think about when they're trying to understand the cost. Obviously, there's variability depending on how many variables you're trying to enrich, but just generally, what's the range of pricing when you're thinking either on a per lead basis or on a campaign basis? The average customer spends about $20,000 with us. That's the simple and straightforward answer to your question. And most of our customers, by the way, sell platforms that cost much more than $20,000. So one new deal essentially pays for itself. The way that we encourage our customers to think about it is to build a basic ROI model that says, what's your average deal size, right? What is your lead to meeting ratio? So if today... 10% of my leads turn into meetings and I can get that up to 20% of my leads convert to meetings because I now have additional data to better qualify them and better engage with them. 
That's one lever to the ROI model. And then when I get a meeting, how many of those turn into opportunities? Again, if I can push that metric up, because now I'm not only going after one person at that account, but I'm going after five people. And I understand how they all relate to each other. I understand the relationships, the buying influence, that buying center. I'm going to get a higher meeting to opportunity rate. And then ultimately, what does that translate in terms of a win rate? And then the other lever that we talk to our, especially our marketing buyers is how many records do exist in your marketing database and how many of those are out of date. And if we could just keep them clean for you and nothing else changed in your funnel, there's an incredible return on investment there. So those are the types of things that we walk through with the customers. What you'll notice is what I didn't say, although this is a lever, I didn't say just how many new leads can you get. We actually really focus on the improvement in the conversion through the funnel versus just sourcing net new contacts, which is different than if you're looking at like buying a list. Absolutely. So essentially what I'm hearing is that you're focusing on cleaning up people's databases as much as you are generating new leads. And you're working more of on a project basis where you're going over a large database and cleaning it up. Not speaking specifically to Discover Org, but in my experience doing the net new lead generation, I've seen anywhere from 50 cents a lead, which is, hey, I'm going to Upwork and I'm just telling somebody to scrape a list and create it for me. Honestly, that's what we do to find some of our sponsor emails, right? We're trying to do this on the cheap or bootstrap business, all the way up to $5 a lead for a net new lead, depending on how many contacts you're trying to find. In general, I've seen the average land between a buck fifty to two fifty for a, a net new lead. So if you're thinking about, you know, I need to build my list from scratch, that's probably where I would anchor. And most of the companies that are doing list generation will require you to spend a minimum of a couple of thousand dollars for a couple of months. So you're looking at a five to ten thousand dollar investment bare bones just to start doing list building, not necessarily the type of scaled list cleansing that Katie is walking people through. Well, and those are typically one-time purchases as well, right? Yeah. So ours is an actual platform. It's always on. So as new leads show up, as new buyers show up, as people change jobs and move around, like all of that, you're getting updates on in real time. Absolutely. So Katie, tell me a little bit about, you talked about the type of businesses that are coming to you and they span between the earliest stages to the largest types of company. When you think about who your customers are, you mentioned you're doing a larger batch of ongoing data cleanliness projects. I'm sure you do some new lead generation as well. How do you think about who your customers are? Well, our platform obviously delivers value regardless of the size and the stage of the customer. We do see differences in how our customers are using us based on their sophistication and maturity. So typically, small businesses, as we talked about earlier, they're just looking to build their pipeline, to build their database, figure out who their ideal customer is. And if they have 10 customers, what are a bunch of lookalikes that look like that? So they typically are using us in that way. And then they're pushing that data into their CRM system or their marketing automation system. Typically, at the SMB level, there aren't large operations teams. I think you and I probably both worked at companies that were small, and you have one or two people who are wearing the sales hat, the marketing hat, the sales operations hat, the marketing operations hat. Still do, Katie. Still do. Exactly, right? <laughs> so as the companies evolve in maturity and move up that scale, what we see is the operations teams obviously become much more robust, and that's where the focus on data enrichment and data maintenance 
and really creating a master data management plan that's thinking about our data across all of our go-to-market technology systems becomes really important. So as we move up the scale, we obviously see more of the enrichment use cases in that scenario. We see more of the form fill point of entry data enrichment use cases as well. So I think that there's a lot that we've covered in terms of what's the purpose of data enrichment and collection. Just recapping some of the things that stuck out into my mind that Katie said is that building your list is not enough, right? Making sure that you're keeping your list clean as you do your outreach or as you're building your list, even into creating your targeting for your performance campaigns, understanding if your data is accurate is something that can have a material impact on your business. So tomorrow, we're going to continue our conversation with Katie, and we're going to talk a little bit about how she views using data and some of the other channels that she's put together to grow the Discover Org business. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Katie Bullard, the President and Chief Growth Officer at Discover Org for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Katie's going to talk about her company's acquisition-fueled growth strategy. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Katie, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet at Katie underscore E underscore Bullard. That's K-A-T-I-E underscore E underscore B-U-L-L-A-R-D. Or you can visit her company's website, which is discoverorg.com. A couple of links I want to tell you about that are in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We have you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Katie Bullard, the president and chief growth officer at Discover Org, we're going to publish an episode every day during this work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. And if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and the contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.